Hey, 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 welcome back to Hobby Perverts, all you deviants, you hobby deviants, you, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of a synonym for hobby, uh, anyways, <laughs> it is Adam and Adam, Yeah. and, and we're here, we're how's back. it going, how's it going, buddy? I, uh, I'm doing pretty good, man, I'm just, you know, I've been able to see a lot of friends in the past week. Uh, Very good. Poncho's got to see a bunch of friends. The uh, Claire's getting a dozen monarch eggs at a time. We are really rolling in it. We've got yeah, we've got guys, monarchs you, you for guys. days. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you you get you're gonna be taken over, man. You're gonna. gonna it's exciting. You um, fly, I saw fly you away. I would God please take me to yeah take me to Mexico. Come on, come on, boys! Take me to Mexico. Um, I did see. Well, they don't go to Mexico anymore. I think they go to Texas. Cause global, yeah, because global warming, they don't make it to Mexico anymore as much. Yeah, it's very, um, very disappointing. Doke also told me that like people in people in like Texas, like your car will overheat because your radiator's full of butterflies. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, anyway, um, please don't hit my butterflies if you're in Texas. That would really fucking suck for me. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing pretty good over here. How are you feeling? Uh, I am okay. Uh, uh, my good friend, who is the reason for being into Miatas, uh, he uh, committed suicide, uh, and uh, so I so it was kind of tough this week. Uh, I spoke at his funeral, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, other than that, obviously, you, you know. I, I, yeah, that's a big. That's a big what, one. Know, it's sad. I don't want to say it like I don't want to say it like it is what it is. But yeah, you know, I mean, I'm very thankful for everybody who's reached out to me after yeah. I mentioned it. Um, but I, I, I assure you, I'm totally, totally handling it. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not, it's not weighing is upon there, me daily or anything like that. Is um, there anything not not can, to be like callous? <laughs> like I'm like I'm like trying to like be very delicate. Like I appreciate it, and yes, I am mourning his loss but yes like i am i i am continuing with my life <laughs> like is there anything people can fine. contribute to if they would like to any uh stuff? let me i believe so i think she his his wife said um uh yes donations uh can be made in ben is this his name uh to local suicide prevention center or carolina poodle rescue uh is what his wife uh requested um, yes, no, he was a good friend. We had a lot of, uh, fun car adventures. We worked on the Cadillac together. We, uh, we worked on the Miata in various iterations. Uh, he had a very cool Nissan hard body, uh, that we, that we, uh, did, did the radio on once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, he was a true hobby pervert in all the sense of the word. Uh, you know, he really was an inspiration for, you know, just just how I approach life. I met him at at work. Uh, we we're both engineers, and he kind of just took that engineer brain uh, to the next level. And uh, he had he had a big mushroom growing operation that he had just started a few <laughs> months ago. He had fish tanks. He had yeah. cars. He had motorcycles. He had plants. He was, uh, he, you know, he was a he was a vegetarian vegan. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he started getting into preparations of lots of things there. Yeah, he was just very uh, methodical and committed dude when he got into stuff. So, you know, I 
that's it, been a great inspiration to me uh, in the, in living my life. So I will continue continue doing that. Um, I will say, you know, one thing I will say is, uh, you know, just don't let yourself get really isolated because uh, that's that's kind of what I think happened. Uh, I, I I don't want to speculate too much because I don't really know a lot, but. You know, in the past few months, he had he had be, he'd always been kind of a loner guy, and uh, you know, just don't don't let don't let yourself get really isolated like that. Uh, you know, it doesn't end well. It, 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 the worst ends up with you being pretty unhappy. So, I mean, at the at best, you know. So, uh, yeah. So you know, just uh, cherish your friendships and yeah. uh, and 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 seek out like-minded people as hard as that is i know it's you know a lot of people are difficult to be around so yeah uh you know so that that would be my one my one thing my two lessons from ben good and bad is you know be be very you know if you're going to do something don't half-ass it would be ben's ben's motto for sure so so, but I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I will miss my friend, but yeah, I, and I appreciate everybody yeah, keep, uh, checking up on me. Keep him in your thoughts. Uh, think of him. His wife really is who I, you know, I really want you, his wife is, uh, obviously, I, don't, I can't even imagine uh, what, what she's going through. So she's a great person as well. So, um, yeah, please think of his wife. Yeah, and and again, if you wanted to donate, it was the um, the suicide prevention. Carolina Poodle, yeah, Carolina Poodle Rescue and the and and then a suicide prevention. Uh, and I'll link that something. stuff in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah. So we love you all. We're here. Yes. Even if we yell yes. at you online, we love you. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's mostly directed at Pete. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we love you. Yeah, man, we love you. Just let's. Yeah. it's uh what we're like two weeks away from uh the figure eight trailer races at the rockford speedway pete time to get yeah. serious about all of us going to rockford um yeah so i got a in in two weeks well two two-ish weeks from when we're doing this i there's a free rally cross that i'm gonna do so i might do two days i'm not sure it's gonna cut into the running so i'm like trying to plan <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how fucking sick I've become with the running is I'm like, well, you know, like I do have to wake up early on the weekend and, you know, I mean, I have to wake up early in the weekend for this, but I'm like, you know, but like, I'll, that's when I have to run. Like, am I going to be able to run after I do you, you, this? You can't, <laughs> run, you can't run at the rally cross. Well, just just see how many, know. see how many cores you can flag at. Chase the car around the track and flag. I every totally corner. would. Like, I totally would say like, Hey, like when I went there, like, Hey, like, can I, can I work the, the first day so I can, so I can like do my runs and run in between, you know, do my car runs and then do my body run like in the middle. But you know how those fucking people at like autocrosses and stuff get about like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta do your work shift. And it's like with the smaller ones, they make you like work basically if you're not driving a car and yeah. I'm like. So I'm like, I don't know if I will have time. I mean, yeah, it's in a big field. I'm sure I could run eight miles out there. But Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on if it's like a club thing. Like if it's a club thing, they're definitely yeah. going to want you to put your club hours in. Like my dad's always like, well, who's fucking yeah. guys on the boat club? You know, they... 
they come down and party, but they're never here at the work day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they always act like, I feel it's so funny that they'll always act like on like little short tracks like that, that like, we don't have someone flagging. I mean, I guess if you're competing like at a rally or autocross, like someone has to notice that you knocked a cone over because mm. it's like, you know, it, it, there is, there's ramifications to that. Um, but uh, yeah, they always act like they need like, you know, fucking eight people out yeah. there, make, you know, watching some dude speed around in a parking lot at like 30 miles an hour. I mean, like, most of, for I mean obviously, obviously people need help and you need to have safety because they're not professional yeah uh, someone did just die in an autocross which is tragic too yeah. so that's so, counter, counter I mean, it can it can happen yeah. but yeah. it's also but it's also i mean your control is limiting the amount of people that are on course at any given time in those situations because nobody yeah. <laughs> nobody knows how to how to predict and expect each other uh, yeah well long was, story short is they should let me run my fucking nine miles that i need to run so i can go to both days yeah <laughs> that's that's the long and short of this conversation yeah that sounds good uh, but I, uh, yeah but like, been... yeah trail yeah trailing off of that like i uh i went with my buddy alex to the kankakee speedway uh oh yeah uh last friday we saw mid-am races which is a midwest based like late model stock car series you know uh-huh. like 500 600 horsepower stock cars uh, that don't typically run the dirt. That was really exciting, really fun to watch. Those guys put on a great show. Um, they actually kept their cars uh, pointing the right direction of the track more often than I expected, and often also more often than like the guys racing like <laughs> the dirt mods and the UMPs and stuff. But my buddy Alex, his family friend Bill, is the PA guy um, and is also on the uh, the radio in Kankakee. Um, and so, uh, so we got to go up, hang out in the booth, listen to him, make the call and the PA, uh, call the action, um, hanging out with the local radio perverts who, um, whose information I got so that they can sell me, um, some old used scanners. So when I go to the races, I can listen to, uh, the spotters and listen to radio and listen to race control. Um, and the thing, I mean, I, I shot a bunch of pictures. Um, I took a bunch of GoPro footage of some racing. So I've got some stuff I need to edit and, and take a look at and see how it came out. But one of the things I was really enjoying was that like the, uh, the box, like the, the box, you know, you call it a press box or whatever, but it's not a press box. It's just people who work at the track, but how would box, I call it that? I mean, that's just what like people, people <laughs> are like, people know that just like a, it's either a press box or it's like rich people, but it's just like the yeah, people yeah. are running the show. So you've got the PA, you know, guy up there and all the audio equipment. And, uh, and then on the other side, you've got like all the race officials and race control and everything. So it was like super fun. Like going back to talking about like flat corner flagging and all that stuff. The guy who was the race director was like through this little window in the next room over. And I was just like watching him the entire night, like keep track of all the cars, like figuring out when somebody spun around backwards, figuring out that that guy spun two times and he actually is black flagged and out of the race. And like, you know, this guy, Hey, this guy's out They're out of line after that wreck, like guy in third place is in sixth place, like get them reordered and all that stuff. So it was like really fascinating and fun to get to watch somebody, um, do race control. Right. And it's like, a, it, the you know, only maybe like F1 people would like think about race control stuff that much. Cause like it was a big, 
uh, championship angle, right? That like race control is trying to figure these things out, but it was cool to see one guy doing it at a dirt track. Um, and mm-hmm. I got a bunch of pictures of that because like the lighting was cool and he just was like so intense <laughs> through having to watch the, the entire quarter mile track for just a bunch of guys who do this every weekend. So really fun. Got to go through the pits, see what everybody had going on. Um, so excited to get to more and more races. I just, um, I forget how much I love being at a racetrack. It's just as much fun as you could want to have. Um, you just have to accept like an amount of uh, nationalism. There's a trade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a definitely an amount of is. nationalism. But, um, man, it's fun to race and watch racing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, uh, I would like to go. Uh, someone keeps talking about the dirt track here and. Uh, I haven't really looked into it, but yeah, I definitely want to go, go check it out. Yeah, um, and, I was um, looking at, I was looking at the, uh, the IMSA race, uh, at, uh, what is that fucking place? VIR. Yeah. Um, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looks kind of fun. That's usually a fun. My buddy, uh, my buddy really wants to go to IndyCar because we started watching it. Oh yeah. We missed like, we missed the one that was like right by us. So <laughs> no. Yeah. We might have to wait till next year. Yeah. I can't, I really need to go to, um, I would really like to go to like, I don't know, like mid Ohio or, or somewhere yeah. else and just catch, uh, I mean, really I would like to go to road America. Um, it just wasn't in the budget this year to go to road America for Indy. Um, I think yeah, Pat, I think Patrick. Well, it's not at Ro- oh Road America. Yeah, yes. sorry, I was thinking not, of Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, I was like, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, Patrick and I, I think, are going to go to IMSA at Road America uh, and camp out and and do the whole thing. That's not a super long race, you know. It's not like yeah. a twenty four, twelve hour, six hour. It's just a three hour. But that's fun. I hope I hope we get to do that. And then um, NASCAR keeps announcing people that I want to see race in NASCAR for the, the brickyard at the, uh, at the Indianapolis motor speedway. So now they have Kamui Kobayashi, the former F1 driver. They've got, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen who just won the Chicago street race and then from supercars. And then we also have, uh, Kostecki from supercars. So now just all the supercars guys are like getting a shot at NASCAR. And I think that they're all going to be good at it because they already drive cars mm-hmm. just like that. Uh, and then you also have Jensen Button in there. So it's, you know, four people who yeah. could run really interesting races in NASCAR. Uh, it's very exciting. It's like 45 bucks for a ticket or something. Um, so Tim's got me kind of wanting to do that. Uh, but Yeah. I uh, I did. I haven't really talked about Well, we we, uh, we all know about the this, but uh, I haven't really talked about this hobby, but... I did get a new fish tank uh, this week. Uh, I upgraded. Uh, so you may have heard it in the background <laughs> of this podcast. Hopefully not. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I've, I've always, that's one of the, honestly, the things that I've done the longest. I've had a fish tank since, uh, I mean, I interrupted when I was kind of more transient in my living situation. But uh, uh, I, I've had fish tanks like since I was a kid. And, uh, so I, um, when I, when I finally kind of was a little more, uh, set down, uh, I, I got two fifty-five gallons. Uh, I started with one and then I got a fish and he didn't get along with the other fish. So I just got another tank and put him in there and then added some, but, uh, 
So those were 55, which is a pretty good sized tank. But like to people who keep fish, they know that that's not really that it's big. It's not that big. Uh, but most people are going to run a 20-gallon, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like to, to anybody who like, doesn't really keep fish, like they see that tank and they'd be like, I mean, it's four feet long. Is the long, and it's two feet tall. So, like, yeah, people are like that's a gigantic fish tank. But like, it, for any interesting fish, uh, yeah. that's too small. So, um, so my fifty-five recently. So I've been keeping these South American fish uh, called cichlids, and I had uh, two of those in there, and this like catfish that was probably about eight inches long, mm, like a pico, uh, or very cool. No, it was it was like a catfish. Like oh, okay, it had a big old fucking mouth. Like like it was like, yeah. And yeah. so, I had them in there for about four or five years, um, and they were pretty big when I got them. So they probably were they you know they were definitely around the end of their life, and they died like one two. Uh, so there was one fish left in there, and um, so I recently got uh, two little guys that are going to grow big. Um, to like grow big while this one finishes out. Um, but, uh, I noticed that my stand is made of plywood and, uh, it had started to split the bottom. That's not great. And I was like, and like, I mean, do the math, 55 gallons of water is about 400 pounds. Uh, and it's 55 gallons of water. So, um, so I was like, oh shit. Like, so you know, to move stuff to get another stand and whatnot on there, you gotta like drain the whole tank. And I was like, well, I'm doing this. I might as well get a bigger size. So I went into the, there's like a local aquarium group and you can get, if you're interested in getting into fish, find that you can get a fish <laughs> tank for fucking nothing. Yeah. Um, so I got the size, I got a 75, uh, which is the same size of 55, but it's deeper. So the fish have more room to kind of, get around um so i'm hoping that means i can grow these new guys that i got into some monsters uh but i'm excited i have it set up it just like looks a little nicer too because it's deeper it just like has better depth it just looks nice like i like (laughs) how it looks a lot better um like it just it's just yeah making me happy i had a five gallon that was um i got free from the office it was just like under some desk row in the office for years Literal years, yeah. just a five gallon, and so I just like took it and was like, I'm gonna, I'm getting shrimp, and I got the shrimp in there, just a foam yeah, filter, like, and mean, just a little light, and I grew some plants, and I did, I did move them all into a nine gallon fluval setup, um, yeah. which was a little, it wasn't like perfect for shrimp. It's really not a good shrimp tank, uh, so I never tell the Reddit people that, but I mean, but it's yeah. But it's beautiful, man. I've got like my rabbit snail is like one of my favorite pets I've ever owned. I love that yeah. dude. He's got like a green yellow head. He looks like a Star Wars character. The shrimp are cute. They breed all the time and they make me new shrimp. It's good. I was gonna say shrimp are fun because yeah, A, like you're saying, like you don't have to have this gargantuan tank. No. Like which yes, like they're it's awesome to have a big tank until the, the end of the month rolls around and you're like, Oh, I got to fucking drain 20 gallons of water out of this and walk back and forth between the bathtub to fill it, you know? <laughs> so like that is cumbersome. Obviously, obviously it's also like large. If you ever have to move, right. um, it sucks like things like that. Um, you, yeah, you do get like the sickest fish though. Like, I mean, like I would love to have, I see these guys on YouTube that have these, 
200s, 1,000 mm-hmm. gallons that are like cemented into the floor. Yeah, have like yeah. some systems that the, do put, the water changes for you. Cut into the drywall like, and shit. And they have like they have like gars and largemouth bass and mm-hmm. all this sick or, shit in there. Or all um, the saltwater people who but, are like they've got coral and sea slugs yeah, and that shit. We don't like, have to talk about saltwater. <laughs> saltwater, saltwater is whatever. Like I, no, no offense to you if you do saltwater. It's not my scene. Like. Every, everyone always asks me, they go, like, why don't you do saltwater? Like, I'm like, no, I just don't, I don't find a connection to that. Like, I mean, it's neat. Like, the fish are, like, very cool. They're very brightly colored. And, um, but, like, it's just not the scene. I, I like to create scenes in my tanks. And I like kind of like a lake or a river scene more, you know. It just kind of is what, what you know, feeds my it's hard, soul. It's but, hard to imagine um, uh, runoff, silt runoff, and farm pesticides, and all the the good stuff that a, yeah. a, a Central Illinois boy needs in like a muddy river of just yeah. polluted chemicals. Exactly. It's hard to imagine that in the ocean and salt water. Yeah, and well, like, in, in like, a river or a lake, I can see that being polluted easily. So I was telling this to Brian because he's like researching reptile guys, which are obviously like kind of a <laughs> offshoot or, you know, a sibling of my hobby. And uh, like lots of guys have both or, you know, our shops are the same uh, place, like stuff like that. So I'm familiar with them. And the a lot of the people into the saltwater thing, it's really just a flex. And they love like having poisonous things or they love having expensive stuff. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just not for me. Like, it, but, uh, what I was going to say though, is, you know, going back to like the shrimp and whatnot is it's like, it is fun to do a smaller tank, you know, in for certain things and, and doing shrimp is really fun. Like you were saying, because they like reproduce and you can kind of like, you know, make different variations of yeah. shrimp and try to get the different colorings and, 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 you know, and, and it's kind of cool that, it, that this, they have such short life cycles. That they, <laughs> yeah. They have to keep reproducing or else you don't have any shrimp pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, it is, like, it is definitely a hobby of, like, lots of different levels. And, like, it, it is kind of a pain, like, if you don't own your house. Like, that was, I really wasn't going to get back into it until I owned a house. And I did it, the house I right before i bought one and it was i did lose a fish um that i had grown out like from a pretty small guy uh in the move but you know it it is really fun i mean it's really fun to do planted stuff too like you i mean you can just grow a little water garden in Mm -hmm. there like there's so many different ways you can do it and like i said it is super accessible honestly to get into initially uh because people are always like basically willing to give away a fish. Like I'm going to basically give away this old fish tank yeah. that I have because but like also, I got it for nothing. There's also really like, cool I, stuff you can keep that requires not that much room. Like definitely check out yes. the amount of space required to do something. But like in like 20 gallons, you can get a couple pea puffers oh. as long as it's planted well enough. And like pea puffers are weird, cool little dudes that you can feed uh, snails and shit to. Like there's all sorts of weird cannot, shit you can do. I can't, I can't co-sign Dag's pea puffer uh, in a twenty gallon. Yes, you could do it for a bit, but I. <laughs> well, know. they needs to be. It needs to be planted where they can each have an area. Yeah, like, I mean, but that, I mean, even just like, like you know, when I was, 
getting back into it and because when i was a kid you know i didn't have a, a bunch of money so i didn't really have anything outrageous in my tanks when i was a kid um so i was always like oh the fucking tetras like in the all that you know the, yeah. those kinds of fish like oh, they're stupid like they're oh. tiny and they cost they're like fucking they're 50 cents a piece and blah 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 and then you know now i'm like i think once i have a gigantic i have big ass fish he's like eight inches in diameter he's kind of circle shaped like he's the size of like a good sized bluegill you would catch in a mm-hmm. lake he lives alone in a 55 and i think once he dies i'm just going to completely redo it and plan it and then just do yeah like schools of fish floating around right. because now that's how far i've advanced you know mentally is that uh now i i'm like oh like it's it is nice to just look at like 12 fish i'll swim yeah, around for sure plants for sure so like yeah don't get discouraged like yeah you'll see these fish and then they'll be like oh well, that one yeah you need a fucking 120 gallon tank and that fish is 300 dollars and you'll be like what's the point of fucking doing this then like that's the coolest fish and i'll never have that it's like no it is pretty neat to I mean, have like can, a 20 I, and just throw some tetras in swimming around in the plants like i i started this just like having mollies and guppies that would breed and then just like trying to catch the spawn into like a net so nothing else would eat them like yeah that's perfectly fun and like even your kids can get excited about that yeah i was like that's i mean there's so many variations too like i like getting a fish that is going to get big and i like growing it out and i like building like like i have this this tank that i have is like a bunch of rocks and i build little caves for them to live in and shit and i like that that's what i like Mm. you people there are people who literally just grow plants in the tank yeah. that's all they do yeah they grow plants and then they make cuttings and they you know they they get in that some people get into like you're saying like they just get mollies or tetras or whatever and they just want to breed them like they just want to have like on like just have keep having new fish and stuff like there's so many different things you can get into with it um that are all really fun like yeah and they're you know like, if you don't like one thing, you don't necessarily have to do it. Because that's the other fun thing is, like, I can't do a planted tank right now because the kind of fish I have, like, we'll dig it. the plants up. So, yeah. yeah. Well, not even that they'll eat them. They just dig them up. Okay. Got it. And and so, um, yeah, so, like, you know, now that's kind of why I want to do a planted tank. Because I'm like, well, it's been forbidden to me for, like, <laughs> yeah. the past five yeah. years. You know, so now I kind of want to just do yeah. That's a I mean, they call community tank. Yeah, that's the beauty of like the shrimp is that like the young shrimp need the plants to hide, and then they can get yeah. biofilm off it and eat. Uh, but I think one yeah. of the coolest things I've ever seen, and like you know, if you go to your local fish shop, you'll be able to see different scenes and different layouts yeah. and different approaches. It is definitely like you know trying to get inspiration. It's a great well, place to look at. The other thing too is is it's like bonsai where it's like you have to make the decision and then just live with it for years. Like, because like what the initial thing, when people get into it, they overstock their tank. Cause they're like, well, I want this fish and that fish and this fish and this. And it's like, they don't get along. They, it's too crowded and they're poisoning each other with their piss. <laughs> and so like, you do have to like, kind of be like, okay, like I'm going to do this. And like, I have to let it all play out and like, let it go and just enjoy it. So like, you can spend a lot of time planning it even, you know, before you do it. Well, and the, and the good news, you're going to have to cycle your tank for a 
pretty long time. That is <laughs> before, the worst part. Before it even, you can put Although, anything in it. And they'll ask you that at the store and you'll want to lie, but don't lie to them. You should really get your fucking shit you, ready to go. There's, there, I know ways to cycle them pretty fast. If you buy ammonia, you have to get special ammonia, which I have, which... Honestly, if you want it, I, if I have it lying around, if someone wants some, I can send. I mean, I don't know about sending ammonia in the post in the mail. Like, hey, are your are your are have, your handlers telling you yeah, to this? Yeah, because um, you only need so you need so little of it, and but you have to buy this jar, and so like I've only had to cycle two tanks, and so I never, you know, I've yeah. used two like a few scoops out of this jar. Um, but yeah, if you feed it ammonia, you can get it cycled in about a week and a half. Mm. But yeah, that is the that is absolutely the worst. Oh, it part. sucks. Yeah, it, it's not good. Yeah, where you're just like, yeah, where you're like, oh, like I, I can't. It is better. At least we have that system. And the old system used to be just put a goldfish in there and then let it let it start cycling the tank. And then yep. when you were ready to put the real fish in, you just take the goldfish out and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can just, you can do snails or whatever, but it's I don't know. I mean I was I was going to say well, that then like, you have to have snails in your tank. Well, I mean you can get stuff that doesn't reproduce, um, but yeah. Um, but no, like, the, like there's just some cool stuff that I never would have thought of. Like people have like the Hillstream loach tanks where it's like you you oh, have yeah, the flow you have the flow so heavy that it's basically like they're sitting in like a river that's running and it's just like yeah, that stuff incredibly sick yeah. stuff. Like you're that stuff is really cool. Yeah, that I really is like some the sick like shit. I really like people keep they're called mud skippers and they're mm-hmm. like, like like amphibious fish kind yeah. of. They're like like and from so like have, from the the Brennan yeah. Stimpy. Yeah, okay. so they'll have like fucking yeah, like you're saying, like flowing water, like with a drier spot. Yeah, like that. There is some fucking insane stuff. That's cool. There's a guy. Planet tanks uh, are very cool, like that too. I mean, you, but you can do that in lizards too. Like, there's super cool stuff with like um, yeah, like like red eyed red eyed crocodile, a crocodile, <laughs> red eyed crocodile lizards, um, where you basically uh-huh. are just like making like you're making like a terrarium that's like you're misting it and it's humid as shit and you plant like pothos in it because it just grows super easy in that environment and you can have a water feature and then they just like hide under mulch all day and you see them like once a year (laughs) but you're like i'm pretty sure i've got three lizards in there (laughs) i don't know yeah (laughs) food and it disappears no it is neat i mean and then and you we're even talking about natural stuff like there's there's people who do like kind of like unnatural things or like Things that that are kind of look like they would be in nature, but not. There's people who do like stuff with like glass bottom tanks and different lips, and just like creating this image is like, yeah, that that stuff yeah. lives in. It's, the crossover, it's, 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 okay. the crossover to bonsai people. I think, we, especially when you get to planted tanks, is high. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, so that's been fun. Um, yeah, and I I recommend it if anybody needs help, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, it's, like I said, it's not really something I like the one thing i really don't ever post about um <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah so well uh why don't we why don't we get to the interview yeah um it's, it's, uh, it's gonna be a good one so we should people want to hear it yeah uh let's go catch up with victoria yeah so we have uh from victoria like let's uh let's go do that everybody we are here with our friend victoria scott uh of, of all sorts of car journalism fame twitter fame 
Uh, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's going. It's certainly been an interesting time for this line of work, but like I've gotten to do some really cool stuff lately, so that's been fun. Yeah, you got to drive um, an NSX, right? Yeah, that was awesome. I wrote the review on <laughs> that for Slash Gear, and uh, yeah, it was. There's a fun, whole funny story to that, um, which I guess I could just go into if you want. I'd like to hear Let's it. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, no, like, so I went to um, Ojai, California for the uh, Integra Type S first drive because I was doing that for Slash Gear. And I was like, you know, I drive this Integra Type S all day. It is, it, if you haven't read the review, I can actually save you some time. It is, like, one of the greatest cars of the modern era. Everyone is going to miss out on it because they're like, I can't believe I would pay 50 grand for an Integra. <laughs> and they will all regret it in 20 years, and I will be there to say I told you so. So I drove this car, and it's a phenomenal experience. And um, I had a bunch of shoots planned for my next book in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I needed a car to get around because you can't, I can't transit around LA. It's just not possible. Um, or at least not feasible in the kind of time frame I was working with. I had right. four shoots to do in three days. So uh, so I went to the Acura PR team and I was like, hey, do you have like anything just sitting around that I could just like, borrow? Like, you like me. I'll, I'll write something about it, I promise. Um, and they were like, well, we have this like bright blue NSX parked up front. It needs to go back to LA anyway. Do you want to use it as a loaner? And I was like, "Are you shitting me?" Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah easy, I, easy I stuff. Like, I literally was like, "I just need Toyota Corolla or equivalent from like the yeah. budget car rental place." And they were like, "Here, here's the fob to a you know, and as one of the one of the final production NSXs. It wasn't a Type S, Whoa. but it was you know, a 21." So. Man, they really hose you and not giving you a Type S, you know. Like <laughs> the thing is, I already drove the Type S and reviewed it because I did yeah. six minutes at Daytona like a year or two ago when I first like for the first drive when I first came out, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. Obviously, like mm-hmm. I got to drive around Daytona in a sex. Yeah, but right. like then they were like, "Okay, you're gonna drive the the non Type S. You can compare them back to back." And I was like, "Sure, that sounds great." I love that. <laughs> it, fit, it fit everything I carry on an airplane, which is one backpack full of camera gear and my carry-on suitcase. So, like, I it's bet. the perfect daily driver. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That, that's what it's advertised as, at least, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick picked me up in the uh, one of the, the three-liter manual Supras the other day, and we went to the library. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we ripped up and down the expressway and you know in rush hour, you know, so it wasn't like oh yeah. this is a huge thrill, but you know we did get to did get to get a good rip and then see what uh, auto stop start on a manual <laughs> feels like, which was I was not had not experienced before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the future. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting car because I uh, I reviewed, that was one of the first reviews I ever did in my career. Oh really? It was when it first first came out. It was when it was still auto only. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It was a bright yellow like twenty one model, so it was the first year of production. Wow. Um, I did not like it. I stand by that statement. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is not for me. I've had people be like, "Oh, what do you think of the Supra?" And I'm like, "Buy anything else. I they are not my <laughs> thing." But you know. Yeah. Yeah, I if would, you like uh, them, more power to you. The, the, the powertrain, the drivetrain is phenomenal. Oh yeah, it's just like yeah. everything around it is not my my jam. Yeah, the uh, the interior made me feel like my Golf R is like absolutely luxurious. 
I was like, yeah, man, yeah, I, man no. I feel so much more luxurious in my golf R. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm six one, so like, yeah, sitting in one of those like it, you're, it's got that really really scalloped roof. It and does. So the center yeah. line comes down to like my eyeballs, and it's like cool. I feel like I'm driving a straight jacket. Yeah, and you can't see yeah, over the nose. That was the line I reviewed in the review. No matter how tall you are, you can't see over the nose. Just no, no idea where it is. But fun. That's fun stuff either way. Um, yeah, man. But yeah, there's. I mean, there's so much that you've done. I mean, we talked a little bit about the the photography. You mentioned the photography here. I mean, you've got um, you know photo books and zines and and stuff that you've been getting into. Um, sort of. I mean. So have have you been into photography before you were playing in the car world and that's something that you were able to bring or is that something that kind of grew in kind? Oh, yeah, no, I I started photography 15 years ago at this point. So um, when I was 12, my parents had a Sony CyberShot 1.3 megapixel Mm point-and-shoot camera. I got into meteorology. um, And so I started documenting, like, cloud formations and stuff that's on your way because... I was, that was just that kind of 12 year old. I was mm. super funny. <laughs> I had a lot of friends. Um, and then eventually reached a point where I just got more interested in the taking of the pictures than the weather formations I was documenting. Mm-hmm. So I switched from there to like a Minolta, I don't know, Maxim 2XI or whatever, whatever the base model entry level mm-hmm. SLR of the 90s was for Minolta. And this was back when you could go to like Target and buy film and then get the film developed target that was what i was doing i never developed my own stuff or whatever i just i shot with yeah. the camera in auto mode it was bothered enough to have like a, a priority mode and just kind of did a bunch of that for a while and then i got a uh, dslr when i was like a teen or something and then never stopped like once the cost barrier on like developing film was gone i was just mm-hmm. off so i started with like when i was younger i did I used to pay my way through anime cons by doing photo shoots for cosplayers there. Um, I did some senior portraits for some of my mom's friends, uh, kids, when I was younger. I did. I used to shoot hockey tournaments when I lived in Cleveland, Ohio, and I would have a big printer sitting next to me on a folding table, and I would run off prints for people as I was yeah, yeah, yeah. shot. And then I did my own like landscape stuff and a lot of automotive things. And then once like, I finally got a car, you know, I got my Supra when I was 20, and then I was really kind of like, okay, I finally bought a full-frame camera. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm going to get good at car photography. And then the stuff that you've seen recently, um, in terms of, like, the the postcards from the end of the world book, which is mm-hmm. a very desolate, post-apocalyptic landscape kind of thing. There's not really a lot of focus in it at all. Or mm-hmm. uh, The Pilgrimage, which is the ebook I wrote last year, which was had a truck in it, but it wasn't, like, an automotive photography collection. It was more just, like, again, post-apocalyptic, depressing, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I, I want to say but. those pictures from those books are like absolutely incredible. Like they are, I don't find them desolate at all. Like they're some of them, like some of those shots you have in the desert are like some of the most beautiful nature photography I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I I adore the desert, and so yeah. a lot of it is just like just drive for a really long time mm-hmm. and get out of the car. And I mean, that's, and, and shoot at F-16. And like, yeah. here you go. Now you have a good shot. Because there's so much land in front of you that like, mm-hmm. there's no point in trying to, to add depth to it or whatever. Just, just mm-hmm. yeah. it should look like, I don't know if you've seen Asteroid City. Yeah. Um, the Wes Anderson movie. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, but like, 
that whole aesthetic of just kind of like it almost looks like a painted movie set is just yeah. perfect for portraying the desert. So, um, so yeah, no, I appreciate it. But that yeah. that kind of stuff came about um, like that that sort of American landscape photography sort of thing. I don't know what else to describe it as. Came about during my band road trip in 2021. Mm-hmm. That was really when I first started doing that, and then I have kind of started focusing more on it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, include- and the van picks themselves. I mean, it's it's such an interesting thing to throw the mm-hmm. the shuttle like <laughs> van in the middle of that landscape. It does and, give and, it kind of like a moon, a moon right like on the moon, or right. yeah, vibe, um, yeah, yeah. And and I think that's um, a lot. A lot of people do photography. A lot of people do car photography, but a lot of people don't necessarily shoot pictures that tell a story. If if that makes sense, and like when you mm-hmm. see um, a Mitsubishi van in the middle of a, the desert, <laughs> you're kind of like, okay, well, there's something happening here. What's happening here? And you can there's actually mm-hmm. something for your mind to, uh, you know, expound on and and wonder about, um, you know. And a lot of people are like, well, here's the headlight on a Porsche. I saw it. Cars and coffee. And it's like that's cool, man. That's really nice. Um, but like, that doesn't tell me anything it's just like yeah you saw a porsche you know yeah. what's, what's the story where's a story for it that's that's fun and creative and and has something to say and i think well, that's beautiful and fun well, thank you thank you um yeah the one thing i was going to add too is just that is the, the reason that i shoot the way i do with cars is because mm-hmm. first of all like when i did the road trip um it was for the drive i did a you know 17 part story for them and so i had to have pictures to document my trip so i could pair them with the stories so, in a way, I was kind of like, I knew the stories I wanted to tell, so I would shoot the pictures that would suit that, so it would feel like it matched the narrative beats of what I was writing, which made me a better photographer. Mm-hmm. The other part as well is that, you know, when I lived in Reno, when I've lived in Idaho, when I've been out on the road in the middle of the deserts of Nevada, usually I don't have anyone else with me. It's usually just mm-hmm. me. Doing self-portraits, uh, which I did a couple of for the pilgrimage, but like they're very challenging to set up and actually get right, yeah. because mm-hmm. the kind of distance I like to put in the pictures just makes it physically challenging to make right. these outsiders work. My remote is like, it's an infrared thing that doesn't work all that great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to frame everything exactly how I want it. The phone apps are still fairly flawed. <laughs> like the, uh, Yeah, the, the, the Nikon phone app for my camera is pretty, pretty bad. Um, because it's an old, old ca- it's an older camera at this point, um, and so you know what I think of is like, if I had access to a person, if I had access to a muse to for a bunch of my pictures, I think that they would develop differently. But part of the reason I do this kind of like automotive landscape thing is I think in terms of making the car a character. So instead of being like, okay, I'm going to take a picture of this car in this landscape, I'm going to be like, the car is. It needs to invoke that sense of wonder. It needs to be like, what is going to how do I position this to elevate it from a landscape picture with something off in it to a landscape picture that is made better by the inclusion of the vehicle? And, like, that is challenging, and I'm still honestly trying to dial it in. Um, and it's just that, like, my hit rate is slowly going up as I do it more. <laughs> and I have access to more beautiful locations now. So when I lived out east, that was not a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's always what I tell people is like, they're like, oh, should I get into film photography? I'm like, yeah, yeah. But if you're going to enjoy it, you have to accept that like 10% to 20% of the pictures you take will turn out. And you start with there and it like continues to go up over time. But like 
if you don't get it, you don't get it. And as you get better, you'll get more of them. <laughs> and they'll start turning yeah, well, out. And the thing I tell people, too, because people ask me about film stuff, because I'm getting more back into it. Like, the last scene I shot, which mm-hmm. was um, the last Great American Road Trip, mm-hmm. was entirely on film. I had two rolls of uh, Kodak Color Plus 200, which is just basically, like, it would have been drugstore film, you know, yeah. a while ago. Now mm-hmm. it's eight bucks a roll because everything is insane. <laughs> but I was yeah. literally, like... I have these two rolls. I'm going to make every picture count. Yes. And so I did. And the thing is, like, after shooting for 15 years, I am at the point now where if I have a roll of, I have a roll of film, and I have you know three days to shoot it, and I'm traveling a bunch, I can actually make sure every shot on that roll comes out well, and I have not wasted a single dime. But when people are like, "Oh, should I get into film photography?" It's like, "Are you happy with your digital photography?" There's nothing wrong with digital. Like, it, no. the point should be to make a good image. Mm-hmm. And the means with which you do that is almost irrelevant if the images are good. Nobody cares that, yeah. like, when I shot pictures of my van on mountaintops, it was the digital camera. Mm-hmm. I got up there. That's the point. It's like, if you got somewhere interesting, if you tried to tell a story with it, then the picture is good. And so my thing that I tell people is, like, shoot digital until you are reasonably confident that 95% <laughs> of what you shoot can be good. It doesn't have to be a digital, because, like, my hit rate is probably closer to 75 on digital, because it's, like, I'll reframe things and be like, oh, I like this one where I step five steps to the left, because I wasn't yeah. being quite as careful when I took it. But with film, it's, like, I'm... I take forever. Um, I'm not a quick photographer <laughs> yeah. for that kind of thing, but the pictures come out well, and I don't waste money. And so it's, like, if, you, if you're reasonably confident, <laughs> if you're, like, bored with digital and you want the extra challenge and you want to, like, tell a story that is helped by the fact that you used an analog medium then it's time to switch. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's like, just shoot digital. It's fine. Like, it, you could, Lightroom is amazing. Have you used it recently? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. People are also afraid to, like, edit their film in, like, Lightroom. It's just, like, the Ansel Adams was, like, burning and dodging stuff. That's why it's called that in Lightroom. You can do it. Yeah. You can just make the vision you want of your art. <laughs> I, I get raw scans of all of my film pictures, and I will... Mm-hmm. Tweet. I don't. I don't heavily mess with them usually, but I'll tweet them until they're what I want. It's a picture. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen what Ansel Adams' photographic process was for some of the like most famous pictures of the American West? Yeah, like the like, dude took composites and was doing this on like a, a um, dark, yeah, in a dark room. Then later on the light table, like he was. There is not a single Ansel Adams picture you've ever seen that he didn't play with some, or there are very few of them. He was very mm-hmm. intense about it. The difference is that like. The tools were different and the technology was different, but it's easier now. And you should never be ashamed to just mess with your image until it is mm-hmm. good. That's mm-hmm. what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can bracket your shots and Lightroom will just put them together. Yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> it looks, I love it. Yeah. Well, everybody knows that, that your hobbies and your art especially should not uh, be easy. You should have, you should be suffering the entire time you do it because uh, that, there's a, uh, there's, there's immense value in that, and uh, that's the only way people like it. I did recently. My friend just gifted me a four by five, so I'm okay. going to be suffering soon in that way. <laughs> are you developing your own film, or are you still having someone else do it? Not okay. currently. Um, I'm going to have. I'm in a weird period in my life, but when I finally like kind of settle things down, I'm going to have some of my friends teach me how to be black and white at least, because it's easy to do at home and it doesn't require a lot of chemicals and like it's not. Mm-hmm super terrible the main problem is like i have a cat i have one bathroom yeah yeah i live with somebody i don't really want to be like a i don't want to be doing it and also like it's not part of the fun for me yeah. i'd rather go out and frame the picture and take the picture and then get back a raw scan and i'll tweak it a little bit until i get kind of to where i want it 
the four by five is just like I want to try it because the format itself intrigues me. It's because really cool. it's a it's a waist level like it's a ground glass you know waist level finder kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a it's a roll of some sort of roll of flex I think. Okay. Um, I've just never shot on 120 format film. I'm curious. Uh, just because like it's something new to play with, and then mm-hmm. I can make a series that's like, okay, I get ten pictures off of a roll on this. The film is expensive, but if all ten of them are good and all ten of them progress a story, then that's actually worth it. And it, there's so much data in the photos because yeah, they're huge. Medium format film is so detailed. It's yeah. delicious. The amount of data is just mm, mm, love that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like it, that, that's fun to play with too because it's like okay, cool. I can do like things that are these really detailed kind of like landscape esque paintings that I couldn't do necessarily on a digital camera. It's hard, so like it's hard to explain that to people where you're like, okay, this this four by five camera has like factors of information more than like a three thousand dollar sony like yes. it can get more information and they're like what do you yeah. mean and it's just like it has more resolution it actually can take all of this in in a larger frame um and it's i mean and that's a mm. really cool thing i think that's what's cool about like you know like 35 millimeter is full frame and <laughs> people are just like oh oh okay that makes sense yeah yeah, well, and then I actually recently saw it. I was in Seattle visiting some friends. One of my friends uh, is a really talented film photographer. His name is Gordy. Uh, I have his Twitter handle really fast, actually, because he's worth follow. Um, Gordy Hyena. He's furry. Uh, he shot me on a Sinar 8x10. Mm. So it is literally the Ansel Adams camera. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were out together for about six hours, and we took three pictures um four technically because we flipped the thing (laughs) you got the you got a double film holder but i mean we went to the we went to the snoqualmie railroad museum okay lined up meter to shot set up the camera it takes you know quite a while to do that got a picture of me i dressed up for it so i wore one of my my vintage like victorian era outfits and stood with a steam locomotive took that picture and then we went out to um this pass out somewhere in the middle of the I don't know if it's the Snoqualmie or the Wenatchee National Forest, uh, but we went up further, you know, into the mountains and got this huge, broad, like, this amazing, massive landscape that really, like, 8x10 is amazing for. Because, I mean, we're talking about, like, to scan it at, you know, what is close to maximum perceivable resolution, it's, like, 3K for a, a tip. Like, the files are enormous, and that's still not, like, you still get more resolution out of it if you want to. Um, so it's like it's perfectly suited for these massive mountain landscapes. Um, so yeah, I posed for that too. So that's fun. That is not going to happen for me. That's <laughs> <not> that. <laughs> it's really cool to see it. And like it was fun to it was fun to have him explain like how he was doing it. It's it's the the point of it was very much like let's just let's use this technology to its maximum yeah, yeah. benefit. Um, yeah, it's like it's like I don't have any interest in owning a Model T, but I really want to drive one. Like yeah. just, I want to. I just want to feel like how far the technology comes. You know what I mean? Like it, it is really neat to like to see when people you take the time to kind of like, oh, like, well, we we don't necessarily need to use this all the time, but like let's keep it around so we know like what we you know how we got here, and it's just interesting. You know, it, it's those those people are very special treasures. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think that's where like when it comes back to like digital stuff. I mean, most people the the main reason that I that I do like people to get into film, you know, is if they're going to go to like, you know, a Canon 81 or like a basic 
SLR is like then they're actually playing with settings and trying to figure out what is speed, what is you know how do all these things work? How do I manually set for what I want? If I want more shadow, how do I figure this out? But most people could just like stand to just put the manual setting on their digital camera and just be like, well, what happens if I do this? Because I remember like remember doing that as a kid. I like somehow I got my mom to buy me this like four megapixel Kodak <laughs> camera from Sam's Club. And I remember just being like, wait, what happens if I set this to like a minute exposure? And I was like, oh, holy shit. It like, where did it find all the light for this? And so like my buddies and I would go get high at the lake and just like pose for pictures for like 20 seconds, like doing stupid poses. Like I still have those. Um, but I was like, I didn't know that you could make a camera keep the lens open that long and it would capture the light that was available you know and a lot of people haven't tried that you know and that's that's a really fun thing to do and they might not be good pictures but you're like in hobby in pure hobby it's like you're learning new things and exploring new ways to mess with stuff um Mm -hmm. and and it gets really fun i mean the other day uh i went to the the dirt track races to see some uh some stock cars on dirt and some modifieds and stuff like that and like you can play with a lot beach with shutter speed because if you do it really slow you get a lot of you know blur and the cars are fast or if you get really you know quick shutter speeds like they're captured perfectly in time sideways you know and it's like it's a very can be a very exciting thing but like the beauty to me like really comes in with like especially with like four by five and once you start getting to like large format stuff like you have to be super intentional about like taking your time and like put your coat over your head and look in the ground glass and like it's you're, <laughs> you're act, like it, the beauty of it is that you're actually taking like time to do it and it like is you are like actually catching this like zen moment and like you do start becoming very perverted in your enjoyment of this like landscape you're like oh i just like i have to get that tree in there like that tree is essential to this like it i don't think point i don't think anything's wrong with point and shoots i love point and shoots i love capturing just a moment just chaotically how it is but there's also beauty in like just obsessing with that scene and how you want to capture it and how you want to frame it and i think that's like the beauty of like getting into weird photography is getting to do that oh yeah and having going on a hike with like a uh uh with like a through hiking backpack because you want to carry a tripod and a (laughs) a camera that's this big (laughs) i've done that yeah well and the other thing too is like i think of photography as having two roles especially like the way that i engage with the hobby art whatever you want to call it it's like there's the one role which is the four by five or the eight by ten which is this very serious uh i'm going to take a artistically important well-composed, well-exposed image. And then the other part of it that I really enjoy also, which I think is kind of where the point-and-shoot stuff becomes much more valuable, is documentation, right? So, like, um, I have an Instax camera. I shoot a lot of pictures, instant shots of my friends and, you know, my partner and partners and myself. And, like, I just... I, I, I try to capture the minutia of what my life looks like in its better moments and have this physical record of it because it's important to me and also just because, like, I think part of it is that, like, as a trans woman, you get, you kind of, like, look through these historical archives that are windows right. to the past. Where you find, I've, there was somebody who was restoring a book of um, trans women that was shot in, like, I don't know, the 60s in Australia or something. They had stumbled across 
photography archive, which is this amazing window into a period that we have no other really primary sources about because all of the things that it was all underground. There was no there was no like record of this existence necessarily. And so like finding these images that are just snapshots of mm-hmm. people living is important. Like it's yeah. important to me. It, makes me happy and so like the idea of being able to contribute in some way to that kind of record like is where i love point and shoot it's where i love an insects camera it's what i it's when i take the the quick snapshots and like i try a little bit to make them like fun and, or or reveal a person's true character or whatever like it's more or less just like i just want to show my friends at their best moment or show myself at my best mm-hmm. moment um so that's like the two ways i kind of look at it and like more of what you see on my in my auto writing and my twitter and stuff is the 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 former, which is that very carefully composed, mm-hmm. you know, it would be suited for large format kind of like artistic. I'm using air quotes, artistic photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of the stuff that I keep for myself is the more like you know casual kind. But I think they both have equally heavy importance. Yeah. To sort of like oh yeah, yeah, engaging with it in general. Well, and they and they inform they do inform each other like very much. You know, like the mm-hmm. there's definitely an eye for it that like. I had a friend in grad school who she was a photographer. She's like now does like wedding photography. And, but you know, it's like, she was the person who took great pictures of all of us. Like everybody's pictures on every website they had was like something they took for her. And it's just like, I try to do that for my friends too. Like, I'm going to get you some pictures, man. Like, I know you just got dumped. I'm going to get you some pictures. We're going (laughs) to, we're going to, we're going to get you beautiful pictures for your dating profile, man. Hold on. Just wait. Yep. Just wait. I've got you. Um, and it's fun. And that's something I want to do more with tie dye. Is like, instead of just taking a picture of a thing on the ground, like actually try to get dynamic. Like here's some somebody wearing it, existing mm-hmm. in it, and trying to be more fun with that. And hot so 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 what's what's up? You mentioned this, uh, and I, this is something I know less about about you. Is what's up with this Victorian clothing that you oh. mentioned? Yeah. What is, this, well, what is this? What is this? How did this happen? Like, what? It, what exactly is it? I mean, it's mostly just like I had. So you have to go back kind of a ways, but like the way that most trans femmes engage with femininity at first is not a hundred percent typical. Um, and so, like for me, one of the ways I did it was like I went and did. Um, cosplays at the anime conventions I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, I would, and so I kind of like, I slowly, you know, I went from like cosplaying boy characters to cosplaying questionable characters to <laughs> cosplaying yeah, like right. definitely not, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to cosplaying girls. And um, and so like through this period I also kind of got into like Lolita fashion which is like a Japanese uh, subculture that's like largely like it tends to be fairly like Victorian Edwardian era influenced and it's very like frilly, lots of petticoats. Um, there's a lot of different takes on it. And so like that was, I would start getting some of those dresses because it was like, well, I have a like, socially acceptable excuse because I, I, you know, at the time I was, I was quote unquote cross-dressing for anime conventions, which is a place where it felt mm, not safe, but better mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually like, I reached a point where, you know, I was kind of just, Okay, clearly not straight anymore. Clearly not cis. Um, and so I, I started like looking into the roots of these fashions, and so I was like, I got interested in Victorian fashion and stuff. And so I do have a bunch of like, not a bunch, but I have a, a decent number of like 
Victorian era clothes, I've been starting to slowly build up like an actual. The Victorian stuff is all reproduction because I am six foot one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, one, it's expensive to sell if you actually try to get original stuff. And two, like, none of it fits me. Women back then yeah. were like five three. It's, pr- just, it's mm-hmm. also just delicate at this point if it's that old. Yeah. Yeah, there's absolutely no you're way. Not, you're not going to climb in and out of an NSX and, we all, <laughs> and we maintain all, a perfect old dress. We all saw what Kim Kardashian's ass did to that dress. We did. So we did. Yeah, actually so. have no familiarity with this. I will trust when you. She, the, she wore the, uh, the she wore the Marilyn Monroe dress. The Mister so the like Mister President Cal. beaded dress. Oh, I didn't. I, the beads are the beads are that. all screwed up like and she like, altered it's it. It's like split. It. Yeah, <laughs> that is so. fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the risk with, like, wearing historical clothing. Um, and so, like, I have a bunch of reproduction stuff. I started to teach myself how to sew a couple of years ago, and I started making Okay, that's things. what I was going to ask. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, I, that was back when I lived in Houston, which was now three states ago. Um, mm-hmm. Three moves, three states ago. Uh, and so, that stuff is still in storage in Houston. So, I haven't, I'm hoping, again, stability, mm-hmm. God willing, at some point, I will actually be able to, like, kind of settle into a place. And I'll go get all that stuff, and I'd like to pick it back up because I want to make myself my own things. It was, yeah. it was, I was just getting into it at a point where I was like, oh, I can kind of start making clothes, and then uh, my life exploded, and then I went and put all my stuff in storage and bought the van and left, and that was, and then nothing really. I have never really kind of touched down anywhere with enough stability to be like, I'm gonna get all my stuff back because it's, just, it doesn't, nothing seems quite permanent. Um, but so yeah, I have a bunch of, you know, the stuff I have now is just stuff that I've gotten, and it's yeah. like, it's fun i don't know mm-hmm. it's cool because you get to take really cool pictures with it yeah <laughs> and also it is oh, yeah. insanely flattering on me because i have the exact correct build which is like narrow waist like it doesn't matter how broad your shoulders are and i've got just enough like hourglass going on that like it was meant for that arrow was meant for like women who would kind of you know look like me Mm-hmm. So plus with a bustle yeah. pad doesn't matter how good your ass is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then you get some cool boots and just set the whole thing off. Yeah, exactly. And so like yeah. I've done a decent it's more fun for like pictures and stuff. Again, because like I haven't had the, I haven't had very many models. When I do get the chance to, I go all out. So the other thing I've been doing recently oh, yeah. is like there's a shoot I'm doing um in October. I have a friend flying in from Europe to Seattle. We're doing this big, giant... All of my film photography friends are all converging on Seattle in October. Um, some of them are coming from Canada, some of them are coming from Europe, some of them are coming from around the U.S. We are going to just be insane for, like, the better part of a week. And um, I'm modeling for a decent number of the shoots because they've got, like, old... They've got cameras in the 50s and 60s and, like, film stock right. from the 70s, maybe. Like, there's there's some really vintage stuff going on here. And so uh, I've been getting, trying to, like, get a couple of, like, 50s, 60s outfits that I can actually find thrifted, which are, it's much more challenging, mm-hmm. but um, they are from the era, they do fit me, it's possible, so that's that's my other vintage thing that I'm working on lately, so that's it's cool. much easier to do it in Seattle than it is in rural Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shocking, that's shocking news. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, you mentioned, I you know, kind of, I, I guess to get to it, the, the hobby philosophy part of our of our show is uh so you mentioned kind of being transitory uh like in where you're at in your life and you know how is how is it affected you know because photography is a hobby and your profession and writing is your hobby and your profession and it's like how have you been able to kind of find time for things maybe more 
for yourself? Like, you know, how, how, how is making your hobby into a job kind of compromised your ability to maybe in, engage with them in a more like, quote unquote pure level or whatever, you know, like what, like how, how have you helped handle that challenge? Um, well, so the thing was like when I started writing, I didn't expect to become successful. I didn't actually expect mm-hmm. any kind of, I thought I would write for the extent of my road trip. And I would be done by the end of the summer, and I would go back into software, because it's my old field. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a software developer, and mm-hmm. that would just be kind of the end of it. I thought it would just be like, I'll go back to writing for fun. So the fact that it's lasted this long surprises me. Um, in good times, when I'm able to live off of it without too much concern, I actually, like, everybody has always warned me, like, don't make your hobby your job, because you, you know, you'll, you'll be right. miserable or whatever. And it's never been the case. I, I still absolutely love to write. I still absolutely love cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I still absolutely love photography. I have different criticisms of maybe the industries than I did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are some th- interesting things about the way that cars are marketed that I didn't think before. But I still mm-hmm. love cars. You know, like I still get excited to work on them. I still get excited to drive them. I still love to shoot pictures and I still love to write and I've, I still write the things I want to. The last thing I did, which was the, the last Great American Road Trip, was a story I felt like writing. Nobody, I had a couple of friends pre-read it as editors and I shot film photos for it because I felt like it and I put it on itch.io because I was basically trying to make back the money I had spent on mm-hmm. gas and hotels and mm-hmm. film and food and because it was a week-long trip. I mean, like, it's just not... You know, I was basically trying to like break even and be like, cool. I don't ever feel bad I took this trip. This wasn't like an indulgence for myself. It was like, you know, it was still work in a way. And people loved it because it was just like, I think the thing that's cool if you are genuinely passionate about whatever hobby you have, and for me it's writing and photography, is that, you know, you can get to a point where if the purest expression of how you enjoy an interface with that is something that resonates with other people. Mm-hmm. regardless of where they're at because I have people I have a lot of people who read me who are not automotive enthusiasts mm-hmm. because I write about my identity and I write about living in America as it rumbles mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. are much more broad experiences I think uh, and the pictures are you know it's not just car pictures it's it's mm-hmm. landscape pictures it's travel photography it's like it's a way of saying I, I, I did something I learned something I had an experience and I want to share it with you and like that's kind of like a talented musician playing a complicated piece is no different right like it's it is I put in the effort and I want to share it with you and so like mm. when that is when that is given the chance to be successful commercially it actually does pretty well the problem that has been mm-hmm. cropping up recently is that there's just no work yeah. um, and that's kind of the thing is like do I have regrets about getting into auto writing not really but like it's certainly making trying to find stability more challenging yeah. because in the span of basically six months, I went from freelancing paid for a modest living, but a living, mm-hmm. you know, rent, mm-hmm. a car, food, uh, to it is it is super dire to try to actually like yeah. try to make the ends meet. So like that's part of the reason like I'm in Seattle, I'm looking for jobs as a janitor because I don't really care. I just need to yeah. move mm-hmm. out of Idaho. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and that's you know you know people are like oh journalism's tough right now and it is it's very tough um, and it's they're trying to do a bunch of really stupid shit to not <laughs> hire anybody to write stories with personal human interest and things like that 
Um, but it's, I mean, it's going everywhere too. You know, it's, it's, it's hitting the tech folks and, you know, is like, they figured like the, I've been talking about this a lot. Like I'm today was like talking to the temp agency that I haven't talked to in 10 years. And I was just like, look, if you can get me 20 bucks an hour, that rocks. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, but you know, like they said to her, it's just like, you know, this, I didn't get laid off in January for anything to do with me. It's just like, we have we got to a point where we were making okay living and the fed and the, and the CEOs and everybody got together and they're like, Oh man, we're paying these people way too much. <laughs> and they, and they want to whittle that down. And like, that's, that's where we're at, you know, it's, and it's, and it's tough, but I think that like through these things and shared communities and, you know, we can keep helping each other and working with each other and keep, you know, pointing ourselves up <laughs> and, and trying to keep going. Cause like, it's it feels so lonely to be in the position where it's just like tough to you know get money coming in um and it but it's but it's shared like we're all in that in the best country in the world <laughs> sharing that experience you know or or you know or adams like can't jump on a call because he's you know got to deploy a feature or whatever it's just like you know so like coming back to where people told you like don't get into your hobby don't make money on that it's like but I'm going to be miserable doing spreadsheets. I'm going to be miserable writing SQL. Like, it's, well, you know, like you don't get to win <clears throat> having that. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting point to make because, you know, like I've always, uh, you know, I've also always heard, you know, don't get involved in your hobby. And before I was a software engineer, I was a chef. And I really, you know, I got the kind of joy that you're talking about where it's like, okay, well, I'm doing something that I care about and like I'm doing it well and it feels nice to share with people and make it make make them enjoy it and like you know give that enjoyment back to you and you know and even I'll complain about writing code all day but like honestly I at one point did have that kind of passion for the work mm -hmm. you know when I was in college it was really exciting and you know, of course, they were telling us that we're going to be solving all these, you know, incredible problems and, and help people. And then, you know, you get out in the industry and I'm just like writing lists of student loan rates and shit like that, you know. And it's just, it is it is really depressing how much that there's like so much in the way, like, like you're saying, like, I, it's not true that doing your hobby will, for money, will make you miserable. It's just that jobs are miserable and they're never going to allow you the dignity to do the hobby in the way that brings you and other people joy <laughs> i guess well, is, is kind of what i'm pulling from what you say yeah yeah but i mean the thing is is like two years ago when i was in my van and i was freelancing i was working the most i have ever worked yeah, in my whole life sure. oh yeah but i still liked it and i was still willing to do it and i still was making enough money to survive it wasn't like like here's the thing no one is ever going to be a writer or I mean, very, very, very few people are going to be a writer or a photographer and like make any kind of like good living. You're going to be, you're going to be living in shitty apartments and you're going to be driving a $600 Toyota Camry for your whole life. And like, that's the thing is I worked in tech and I hated it so much that I was, and I had money. Like I, I was, I never did great because I worked in the last couple of years. My career was government work. I worked in NASA. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you know, the, the pay rate was not, I, I'm most of my friends made more than me, but also, right. Yeah. I worked on, I, I had like three project cars going at a time and I would have like, you know, that's when I bought a lot of my outfits that I've got now. And that's when I bought all my camera gear that I've got now. And you know, I like, 
most of what I have is coasting off of that era because I just had <laughs> disposable income. It was like yeah. really nice, and I knew I was lucky, and it was very cool to not have to worry about money. And I was like, all right, I can survive. I'll have to cut out all the treats, but I won't need to worry about I'm probably not going to be homeless. I, I'm, I think I can make this mm-hmm. work. And so that's when I switched to writing. And I was, you know, like, granted, was I buying nice lenses and stuff? No. Was I worried about being homeless? Also, no. You know, it was... Yeah. Which is really all I sought to do. And now it's like, that's part of the reason I'm having so much difficulty moving is because it's like, get stringing together consistent work is, went from something that was pretty easy for me uh, to something that is now very, very challenging. And it's not because, like, people don't like me. It's not because people don't read me. I, like, I, I am still friends with every editor-in-chief I've ever worked with. You know, they're... Mm-hmm. They're all lovely people who want to give me money, but there's just no money to give me. Right. Um, and that's it's not just me. Like, if you look at the rest of the market, like, a lot of incredibly talented freelancers are also having similar issues, from what I can tell. And it's just, it, it's it's kind of, you know, it's endemic to this society. It is, it is right. part of the reason why America is such a hellish, shitty place to live, is because... Mm-hmm. The past couple of years, they, the, the margins that are allowed for any kind of creative person to exist have been sl- just slashed to the point of complete poverty. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's why there's an actor's strike and there's a writer's strike. Yeah, and, the team's you know, strike. <laughs> you yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's like, just, it's just like, a general level of indignity that is, like, expected yeah. of everybody who lives here. I think, yeah, that, I, I think that one of the craziest you can tell, like somebody who's probably you know under 30 is just like you used to be able to work part-time in new york and have a place to live in food to eat and like do art like you would like work at a cafe or a coffee shop and you could like Mm -hmm. make do in the 90s on that or people are like oh all the friends they're on all these like rent controlled apartments it's like yeah that was like it wasn't 1800 dollars a month for a one bedroom then like no it was a completely different world um well and you look at, like, the art scene in Seattle, the city I'm trying to move to, and, like, it was a shithole in the 90s. Affectionate. I mean, I, I always loved it was a, I don't it, was a cult- it was a cultural backwater. Like, that's what yeah. people don't... And then all of a sudden, yeah. it got all cheap, and it was super easy to live there, and so we got, like, the Foo Fighters and Nirvana and a bunch of fucking authors, and, like, the Seattle Stranger, mm-hmm. I think, came out of that era, and, like, the Capitol Hill became, like, the, one of the most culturally important places for the queer community in the world, and, mm-hmm. like... You know, it, all of that came from a period where people could fucking afford to live. Sorry, I don't know mm-hmm. if to swear on this or not. This is... Yeah. I just... It, is, it just bothers swear me so way. much. Yeah, say whatever you want on here. Well, well I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. don't get us canceled. Yeah. <laughs> don't say, don't say, God. don't tell the blue sky people you read uh, drill posts or anything. <laughs> I can't avoid all that. So. Yeah, 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 it's not interesting. Um, do you have anything else, Adam, that you wanted to go through? I mean, no, yeah, before we all launch into, like, hours-long rants about the indignities of our lives that we're forced <laughs> to endure. Uh, you know, which is obviously what brings us all to the hobbies, is that it's a, a brief moment of respite from from those indignities to actually own your work. Uh, yes. It's a lot of it, you know, and it's, and it's, so... It's nice yeah. to be in a, in a place, you know, we have the, we have the hobby discord, it's nice to be in there and have other people who are making the same determinations as you last last yeah. time we talked about like the guys who are like you have to like jingle the key this way and you have to like connect this wire like the car doesn't start there's some level of that that we're all doing to make our hobbies work and like it's nice to have people that will encourage you to I do think that, that, that was an important 
an important point that Victoria made that I that I that I took away is that uh, you know it is I think it is important and a lot of people forget about it or we lost it or you know the era you know the the bowl, bowling alone book you know like where people will get into things and then because they want what they really are looking for is to is to share themselves with other people and the way that we live now is just so antithetical to that. And, uh, you know, I think that that's an important point that Victoria brought up is that, like, when you get into hobbies, like, you, we definitely want to share them and, and find people to share them with. You know, whether that's getting, you know, you can turn it into getting paid or it's just other people telling you they like what you did. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's very important. Yeah. And if you get so, to a point where you can have a dozen people to send on one <clears throat> city from around the world. That's a great. That's the that's the end, that's that's <laughs> that's the end goal. You yeah. know, it's always nice to have have hobby perverts around the world to uh, to go engage with. So yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Victoria, you want to tell everybody like where to find you, what to buy from you, uh, that kind of stuff. Oh sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I am at uh, Mikuru Beahida on Twitter. <laughs> it's easier to just look up my name, Victoria Scott. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to use it less because it sucks so bad now. <laughs> it is awful. It. It's just mostly that, like, that's part of the reason I have a career, because mm -hmm. yes. that, you know, social media is important yeah. if you want to make your hobby your career. Um, yeah. And then I'm on Blue Sky. I'm victoriascott.bsky.social. Uh, I have a website that it's vantimevictoria.com. There you can find my recent zine I wrote, where I shot everything in film. And I traveled from Seattle to Minneapolis in two very old, very crappy cars. Uh, I have my book that was published through Career Books, uh, Postcards to the End of the World, and that is, I still have some copies left. Once that is sold out, it's done. Um, I have another book that I'm trying to get out by October, November-ish, and that will depend on whether or not I have money. But that is a, a fashion lookbook that's a photography, automotive, women posing with, trans women posing with cars with, like, different eras. It will be stupid cool if I can travel to, like, two more cities to get the rest of the show. Yeah. Down. Hell yeah. The pictures are very neat. Very Yeah, I, thank I, you. I really enjoyed seeing them, yeah. yeah thank um, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, I, I probably on other places on the internet, too. Yeah. I'm on Instagram, but, like... Mm -hmm. I'm not on threads. I will never be on threads. If you ever see me on threads, it's an imposter. I well, we, we won't because of the algorithm. <laughs> I'd rather redacted than be on threads. <laughs> well, check Victoria's stuff out. Buy some art. Buy some photo books. Read some stories. Send some money so we can get this last book done because the the pictures are really cool. I've I saw them all come across the timeline and I just looked up to see where you were at with doing that and saw that you were gonna get that finished up. So that's very exciting. Can't wait to see that and uh, can't wait to hear more about uh, what you've got coming up later. Thank you. We'll see everybody. And thanks around. for having me. This is really fun. No, thanks for joining. I really appreciate Thank it. you so much. Yeah, no, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you, Blue Sky. Uh, see you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.